on the heels of the beginning of the Friday Night War, we have Saturday Night Dynamite. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, it's Pass Phoenix, the YWC Rally Check, here with your AEW Dynamite review for Saturday, October 16th, 2021, and I'm actually not tired. I actually got to sleep today, so I'm going to be much more awake than the Rampage review. And I have co-hosts lined up for next week, so those of you that are sick of listening to me solo, just wait just that little bit longer. We got a lot of stuff coming up. I know I say this a lot, but Crown Jewel, Bound for Glory, Halloween Havoc. I'm going to a Destiny show, which I'm going to talk to you guys about at another time. Uh, we got the Eliminator Tournament starting in AEW. We've got the uh, King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown. We've got the TBS Championship as soon as uh, AEW goes to TBS. There's a lot going on, and I know, I know it's becoming cliche, and I know it's becoming a thing that some people make fun of. I'm not going to mention Michael Sidgwick by name, but it is, in fact, a great time to be a wrestling fan. Now, I'm going to say, uh, on a selfish note, because things are opening up in Ontario, and we're actually able to go to venues, and you guys know I've already been to one Destiny show, there's another one coming up on Halloween night where I'm going to see Josh Alexander defend against Luke Gallows. As I say, I'll talk to you guys about that another time. There is a WWE house show coming to Toronto at the end of December, which is right near my birthday. For those of you that know, those of you that don't know, don't worry about it. Uh, it was funny because we uh, they made the announcement over the weekend, last weekend, which was Thanksgiving weekend for people up here in Canada. Thank you, um belated happy Thanksgiving to all my fellow Canadians from last weekend. They made the announcement over the weekend, and by Monday morning, they had announced uh, a house show at the Coca-Cola Center. So WWE on the ball there. So what I will say, in the most positive way possible, in the most positive way possible, shit's open. The door's open. The other magical door, you know, not the forbidden door that goes company to company, but that other one that sort of goes uh, country to country, Impact Wrestling, AEW. When you come into Toronto, that's all I'm going to say about that. Lots and lots and lots of fun stuff. You guys are going to get a fuck ton of stuff from me next week. You're going to get some, actually, I, I tell a lie. You're going to get some solo stuff from me. You're going to get, hopefully, the grand return of our buddy, our pal, Super Sexy Jake DeMarco. Um, hopefully, I'll get Guapo back for something, but work's kicking him in the ass, so let's just send him some love, at Guapo underscore 504. And uh, when he does make his fantastic return, send some love out to uh, Countdown Ended, our buddy, Jake DeMarco. And as I keep saying... FlixFix will fit somewhere in the mix. That almost rhymed. That wasn't intentional. I'm not Max Caster, and I didn't get cancelled. Moving on. Saturday Night Dynamite. They're doing it this weekend. They're doing, or sorry, they're doing it this week, and they're doing it next week because of the TNT scheduling. Roger, Roger, Raw starts off with CM Punk coming out, doing his victory lap around the ring before he goes to join them on commentary. For I love Punk on commentary, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I love Punk on commentary because. Like, other than his initial introduction, I don't notice him on commentary. He actually becomes part of the commentary team, doesn't talk about himself. Um, you know, any other thing you can possibly think of. Um, I think it's kind of weird. I was actually watching over Twitter, and some people are saying, like, they're tired of the show opening up with him, like, running around and then just joining the commentator booth because it's a waste of time. Anybody that's ever been to a live show, as funny as it sounds... The uh, the ring the uh, not the ring announcers the commentators do get an entrance like they do have it's usually generic as hell um, just WWE Raw or whatever music that plays but like the regular commentators do get an entrance when we go from the buy-in to any AEW pay-per-view the last thing that happens on the buy-in is they play that um, 
Oklahoma University music that brings out JR to the ring. So I don't understand what the big problem is. It's not it's not the end of the world. And we started off the show with with Malachi Black. I think I've got Malachi Black on the payroll and I just don't know it because he took care of the Dante Martin problem. Dante Martin was out there with Leo Rush in his corner and yes, 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 yes. I'm going to make this argument once again. I would rather have Leo Rush versus Aleister Black than uh, Dante Martin because I don't give a rat lizard fuck about Dante Martin and Leo Rush is awesome. Now, as soon as I said that on Twitter, I got called racist. Now, let's look at Dante Martin. Let's look at Leo Rush. Leo Rush ain't white. I'm just I'm just saying that. And the only reason it makes me laugh so much is one of the, one of the very first conversations... You guys know I, I, I get on this shit quite a bit. The very first time that I genuinely had a laugh at a conversation like this was shortly after Ember Moon had come up to the main roster the first time from NXT, and they had her in a match with Naomi, and I put something along the lines of... Because I think Naomi won the match. And I put something out there saying, in my opinion... In my opinion, uh, Ember Moon's a much better character, much better, better star, much better wrestler, etc. And Naomi's a little bit weird and kind of a waste of space. And I got called racist for for saying that Ember Moon was better than than, than Naomi, and that that became my my laughing point, like my point of reference for all the identity politics crap that goes on on social media. For those of you that don't know, I'm still in Facebook jail for another four days as well for a very, very similar argument. And now I've got people telling me, because I'd rather see Leo Rush than Dante Martin, that I'm, I'm racist. Give me a reason to cheer Dante Martin other than the big-ass obnoxious armband on his on his shoulder there. Anyways, a uh, couple of hope spots in there for Dante Martin, but he mostly gets owned. The single leg by Black and the knee bar by Black were fucking fantastic. We told a great story of, hey, you think you're a high flyer, like everybody else in AEW, so I'm just going to destroy your leg. And then the sequence at the end of the match was a double stomp, a Nidiora, a roundhouse, a bridging near fall and a black mass. He black masses him shortly after he fails to do some sort of top rope maneuver off the top rope. And the the storyline part of the of all that is that Leo rushes on the outside telling him not to go to the top rope. Now, uh, that's gonna go somewhere later on, but it's just it's so Oh well you gotta love the guy because he's athletic. And it's like every everybody in AEW is athletic. Like even even the people that I want to take the piss out of, like, you guys all know how I feel about Cody Rhodes, um, for some of the storyline stuff that they do, for some of the promo, um, bits and pieces that he's done, for some of the choices that he's made, etc., I think he's a wiener, I think, like, I could do without him on my screen. I'm never gonna say the guy's not an athlete. AEW is full of athletes, and when you have people on this roster that can put on absolute cocaine classics like Ray Phoenix and Dante Martin, or sorry, Ray Phoenix and Darby Allen and the Bucks and H2O and all these other people that I could mention, telling me that I need to cheer for Dante Martin because he's the athletic guy on the roster. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So him going up after he's had his legs worked on the whole match, despite the advice of his new, I guess, manager and it coming back to bite him in the face and then literally kick him in the face with the black mask, um, was some was some brilliant storytelling, some brilliant catharsis for myself personally because I can't stand the guy. And Aleister Black is awesome. That entrance that he does um, with the mask and the and the lighting and all that sort of thing. It's the best. Ver it's 
it's not that far from the Aleister Black stuff that he was doing in WWE, but it is the best version of it. And I think he's walking a really cool line because everything he's doing right now, everything about his aesthetic and his presentation and whatever, it's very easy for... Um, for something like that to tip the scale into into being goofy, and I think he's his character is walking that line so perfectly right now that it's absolutely fantastic. Now, I didn't put any notes for this, but they did a video compilation later on in the night of Arn Anderson taking Cody Rhodes back to the Rhodes factory gym, whatever, and having all the students beat the shit out of him, which is fine because we're gonna get Rhodes Black three next Saturday. Now, I really want to think, I really, really want to think that they're going to do the right thing and have Aleister Black go 3-for-3 three three against Cody Rhodes, but I don't think I'm getting what I want for Christmas on that one. Aleister, or sorry, Malachi Black gets the win. I, do, I promise you guys I don't do the name thing intentionally when you get used to calling somebody a certain thing. It's like it's like Daniel Bryan. It's like Tanera Conte. It's like Aleister Black, it's, it's, et cetera. It's, um, the only one that was really easy for me, and that I never really fucked up that much, was going from Rusev to Miro, because Miro, Miro I just made fun of for a long time, because he was doing the weird, I'm going to play weird video games in my weird pajamas face. Going to the back, speaking of weird things, but weird things that I actually like, we got Jurassic Express, they got their asses handed to them by the Super Elite, um, Christian's having some neck issues, and they said Marco stunts like out of the equation as well. I think that's really, really funny considering Christian's just been over on Impact getting ready for Bound for Glory and his match against uh, Josh Alexander. So I think that's just a way of like sort of sliding him out of the story for a second. But as they're talking about the beatdown that they got from the Super Elite, they get beaten again by the Super Elite. And then they put, I think they put Luchasaurus through a table because we don't see him again for the rest of the night. We got another one here. Coming off the back of last night's last segment, which was the parts of the inner circle taking on parts of the American top team and all Dan Lambert's crew there. Guys, I shit you not, you guys know I used to say this about NXT, it's just like, I just don't care about this, I'm going to skip it. I, I, I can't care about this. And the thing is, as I said last night, and it gets more enhanced tonight... I said there's a last night in the trios match. I said there's a bunch of people that I like here. I like the men of the year. I like Sammy Guevara as champ. Sammy Guevara's over as fuck. I mean, it's not surprising and that's not new, but it was really obvious in this scenario because they came out to the Judas music. They came out as all five members of the inner circle, and the chant that you heard was the Sammy chant with that nice, beautiful TNT championship around his waist. I like Jericho, obviously. I just it's the it's Lambert and all the MMA stuff. That, that I can't stand. Inner Circle, talk about how great it is to be back together and, and, you know, Santana and Ortiz were off handling their own tag team stuff and then they saw that uh, these jabronis were, were fucking with their guys and all that sort of thing, so they had to come back and make the save last night. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to get into it. Inner Circle wants a five-on-five -five match. They want a five-on-five -five match. Inner Circle versus the Men of the Year and any other three guys they want to throw in there. So I guess Junior Dos Santos and and whoever the other MMA people are. I mean, there's the one chick that's in there. I think her name's Paige Van, Van Zant or Van Zine, something like that. And Jericho calls her a whore and a bitch, and that's kind of funny, I guess. Lambert singles out Sammy Guevara uh, as the only person on their side that actually has any gold. So he's like, oh, maybe I'll get through you to get to the thing. So I think... They didn't specify this, and if they did, I I don't 
I didn't catch it or I missed it or something. I think it's going to be a case of if Sammy Guevara beats Scorpio Sky, then Inner Circle get their five-on-five -five match that they want. Now, here's the thing. Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky is a match I'd love to see because that would be fucking phenomenal. Scorpio Sky's great. I like him a little bit better as part of the tag team. It took me a while to get used to them, but it's fine. Um... But, I mean, look at the early days of AEW. Uh, Scorpio Sky's singles matches were off the chart, and he was winning... T was it him in... Uh, oh, was it him in SCU that wasn't wearing any shoes when they won the Tag Team Championships? I don't remember, because, yeah, I, I, I don't remember. Um, if that is the case, if it's a case of Sammy Guevara has to beat Scorpio Sky to get to this five-person on five-person tag, it'll be a really good title defense for Sammy Guevara in the TNT Championship. I hope it main events Dynamite. don't think it's going to make it all the way to a pay-per-view, but we'll see what we see. Coming up next, though, and I want somebody, I want somebody to explain this shit to me. We've been selling for weeks and weeks and weeks that the Lucha Brothers are the AEW Tag Team Champions, but they're also the AAA Champions, and Andrade wanted them to defend their AAA Championships against friends of his. And he brought out the Super Reinas, which is, according to commentary, the Super Frogs, and they looked like bad rejects from an old Power Rangers show, and this is coming from a guy that used to like the Power Rangers when he was a kid. Um, versus, they go for the raised mask immediately. It gives the commentators a chance to go crazy about how disrespectful it is to go after a luchador's mask, etc. So in tandem, Ray and Phoenix take off the masks from the Super Reinas, and it is FTR. And I sort of went, what the fuck? Like, why, why would... Uh, why would Andrade recruit FTR? And then you get everybody, because you've got the guy that's out there with Andrade, who the lawyer guy whose name I can never remember. He's creating distractions. Andrade's creating distractions. FTR are in there in what now looks like pajamas, which is terrible. And obviously FTR have Tully Blanchard, who makes a run-in, distracts the referee. There's a belt shot. And FTR, in weird turtle pajamas, become the AAA champions. Now, on the one hand, I gotta wonder what AAA fans think of that. On the other hand, it's, it's strange, and it leads to a lot of questions. Now, after the fact, you see Andrade and MJF in the back, it's, and uh, MJF is specifying that it's only a one-night deal, and Andrade says, do you want to get paid in cash or check? And he says both, and he takes the cash, and he takes the check. So, here's, here's what I'm fi trying to figure out, because Andrade is, tr or at least the story has been so far, that Andrade is trying to steal the Lucha Brothers' loyalty and, and uh, association from Pac. So how does, he, how does he get the Lucha Brothers to his side, the way he's been trying to do the past couple of weeks, by ensuring that FTR take the AAA titles? and give it to the Pinnacle, and have no further association with them, because as MJF said, it's a one-night deal. So, profits? I don't know. I really, really don't know. We do know that uh, next Friday on Rampage, we're getting, you know, next week on Dynamite, we're getting Black versus Rhodes 3. Next week on Rampage, we're getting Andrade Alidolo versus Pac 2, which will be great. I don't know how any of this factors into that, other than they don't have to worry about their AAA titles. They're gonna have their, they're still gonna have their AEW titles on the AEW show, and they're gonna run in and probably kick the shit out of Andrade. I don't know how that's 
I don't know how any of this works. This feels to me, this feels to me like more, as, as, as opposed to something that actually makes sense, this feels like AEW planting their flag in the sand and saying, look, here's one of those open door moments we talk about. Look, you never thought FTR were going to have the AAA titles. Well, no, because there's no, there's no reason that we would ever think FTR would have the AAA titles. I, I really don't, I'm at a loss. I like FTR. I don't like FTR going out there in, in weird pajamas and masks. It kind of made me uh, think of the whole Usi Hot situation where they were scooting across the ring, and I thought that's what they were trying to get away from. But I, I guess there's a story of, A, the uh, Andrade has struck some sort of blow on Death Triangle, which is fine, I guess. Uh, the Pinnacle, as a group who had no gold before other than the beautiful diamond ring now have a, a, a title in their camp which I guess is a story they can play up on but for that to work you have to show the pinnacle as a group more I don't know I don't know there's angles that can come out of this I'm I'm just I'm at a loss guys I don't know it's not bad but it just feels like we're gonna shock them with confusion was the main goal and then how do we get there uh, they're both heels they made a deal in the back you know on our uh, Andrade owes MJF money now. I I don't know. Remember when MJF was paying off the butcher and the blade, and now I guess sold them to Matt Hardy. I, that sounds terrible. I take that back almost immediately. In the back, there's Leo Rush speaking for Dante Martin because who the fuck cares what Dante Martin wants to say? Saying you know what, this wasn't a bad thing. You know we learn from our mistakes and we learn from our failures. And Dante failed tonight, but I'm gonna make sure that doesn't happen again because he has a new tag team partner and his tag team partner's name is Leo Rush, which is fine. It's all good. See, you make a team that's half good and half bad, and then you eventually break them up and you kick out the bad bit, and you've got Leo Rush. Team Leo Rush, where, there we go, light just went out, light came back, there we go. Team up Leo Rush with Matt Seidel, there's your cool team right there. I don't know. Get Dante Martin off my screen, that kid can fuck off and all. Uh, John Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta. What do you want me to do with this? What, what, what deep, in-depth, in-depth analysis can I possibly give you on a match that I don't even think lasted a minute? He mauls him as soon as he gets to the ring, hits him with an X-Plex, which pops me, hits him with a little bit more ground and pound into a paradigm shift, and literally walks back out of the building again. I don't think the match went a minute. Uh, you got Orange Cassidy trying to be intimidating, giving Moxley dirty looks as he escapes through the crowd. I like Orange Cassidy. I, I get the gimmick now. It took me a long time to get the gimmick. I get the gimmick now. It's fine. He's the lazy guy that doesn't want to wrestle, except he's actually a phenomenal wrestler. Cool. I get it. It's not going to work when John Moxley squeezes all the juice out of the orange. Ah, there we go. There's the super shitty pun for the day. Um, Deeb is in the back. Serena Deeb is being interviewed about her match with uh, Hikaru Shida and how she cost her her 50th spot or her 50th win. Now, this is fucking dumb. I said this before, and I'm going to say it again now. The whole idea that Serena Deeb stole Hikaru Shida's 50th win. It's not like Hikaru Shida has to go back to zero. She's got 49 wins. She's going to win another match eventually, and that'll be her 50th win. So, as a building block, it doesn't make sense. For two women in the ring that I definitely want to see fight again, however, Serena Deep Hikarushita is fucking great. Serena Deep talks about how she took a little bit of a hiatus, and everybody else in the, in the roster, or on the 
women's roster got really, really comfortable. They started having a little bit too much fun, and she's going to whip them back into shape. Very, very cliche post-heel turn promo, but it works because she puts some believability into it, and then she gets attacked by Sheeta, and they brawl, which is which is nice. Super click versus the Dark Order, which in this case is Evil Uno, uh, Reynolds, and Silver. They tease a triple powerbomb on the ramp before the match even starts. Now, there's two different ways you can look at this. You can look at this as them responding, because uh, I, I haven't listened to the interview. I haven't read the interview. I haven't even read the jot notes of the interview, but apparently Roman Reigns dared to say some bad things about AEW. So they could be doing an anti-shield sort of thing with the shield bomb on the outside, or they could be just taking the piss out of themselves and the power bomb that they fucked up a couple weeks ago. Either way, it shows, like, before the match even starts, hey, we were going to put you through the floor. Um, at some point in the match, this was a really, really fun match. I'm not going to run you guys through all the details. Dark Order are good. They're good uh, fall boys, so to speak. They're, they don't lose anything by losing, and that's really valuable, especially at, for where they are on the card. Evil Uno, and I don't, don't ask me which one of the Jacksons it was, because they might as well be twins, but eventually gets a hold of one of the Bucks' socks and does Socko on him with his own sock. Now, there is... There's, there's, again, there's a little bit of a, of a wink and a nod there. You've got three members of, of Dark Order in this match. The one with the mask is the one that did the Mankind tribute. I like that. That's subtle, and it's really, really good. Um, but for the end, uh, Super Click, we're going to win this. You knew this when it was announced. You knew this when you first saw the graphic at the beginning of the night. Uh, Dark Order are what they are at the moment. Double Super Kick, Panama Sunrise, BTE Trigger, Last Shot, and Super Click get the win. No, I'm not going to call it the boom, because that's dumb. Jungle Boy comes in post-match. Uh, he was the one that was not put through a table, so that kind of makes sense. He chases them off with a chair, except for oh, the guy whose name I can never remember. Brandon Cutler? Is he the one with the plastic mask and the cold spray? And he attacks him with a chair and puts him in the... Uh, the snare trap and the, the rest of the super elite, super click, whatever, are like, well, sucks to suck, bro, and they're all out of here. Um, if we get Jungle Boy versus Brandon Cutler in a week or so, that'll be an interesting bit of a squash. I don't know what that guy's... He, he wrestles, right? Like, is he a wrestler on, like, Dark or Dark Elevation, or is he doing other shit? Because he came in initially, wasn't he? Was He was like the Dungeons & Dragons guy. Now, I'm not pulling for that as a gimmick, don't get me wrong, but, like, he's just their stooge, like Nakazawa. I know, man, he, I know he does the weird, like, body oil stuff, but, like, when was the last time either one of them had a match? It's very strange. MJF calls out Darby Allen for the match that they set up last week before they beat the fuck out of him last week, five on one. Um, goes on and on and on about the four pillars thing. This is why Darby Allen is the weakest of the four pillars. Ra di ra di ra. Wardlow carries out a referee to do the ten count to basically say that uh, Darby Allen has forfeit the match, or whatever. And then Sting shows up to chase them away with a bat. Now, normally. If they had attacked one member of a tag team and the other member of the tag team had come in to get a bit of revenge, that'd be fine. This is not a dig at Darby Allen and Sting, but AEW really has to be careful with this father and son dynamic um, that they've got going on with Darby Allen and Sting because this just looks like I'm going to go after those kids because they beat up my son. And it's it, it, it doesn't quite hit the way, the way I wanted it to. Now, what I have heard 
and this is all from the the supposed leak that uh, that Tony Khan was carrying around during a football game or whatever. Supposedly at Full Gear, we're getting CM Punk versus Wardlow, which is a really weird match that I'm not sure that I want. But in the meantime, considering what MGF is doing right now with Darby, it does present us with the possibility sometime between then and now of getting Darby and CM Punk versus MJF and Wardlow. And that's... I'm not going to lie, that's not a match I would mind seeing, just to, just to put it out there. Um, Anna Jay's being interviewed in the back about the loss by by Dark Order, and Britt Baker comes to brag instead about her hubby and their group and how much, how good they are and whatever, and tells Anna Jay that she's a loser by association because the Dark Order literally just lost, which makes them losers, and you're associated with them, so you're a loser. Anna Jay attacks her, and I think we're getting that next week on Rampage as well. Anna Jay um, still got that, like, I've just come back fire, so she's kind of fun to watch in the ring. She's going to get smoked by Britt Baker, and if the uh, super elite are out there with her, that'll be extra funny, but it is what it is. We got a couple different feuds going on right now. We got the Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida stuff. We got this that's kick, kick, eh, kicking off for next week. I can speak, I swear. And then we've got this next match, Kiara Hogan versus Penelope Ford. I'm happy that Ford and the Bunny have stopped their never-ending feud with Anna Jay and Tay Conte. So I'm happy to see Penelope Ford doing anything else. And as I've said for weeks now, I'm really happy to see Kira Hogan in uh, in AEW. I liked Fire and Flavor. Fire and Flavor was one of the first things that caught my eye when I first started watching Impact again. Now, obviously, I was watching because I like Decay and I like uh, Josh Alexander and I like the X Division stuff. And Deanna Peraz was a great champion and all that sort of thing. In the tag team division over there on, on Impact, Fire and Flavor are a lot of fun, and as I say, when I started watching again, they were feuding with Decay, so I was paying attention to what they were doing a lot. When they said uh, Kira Hogan had signed with AEW, I was like, that's fucking sick, let's go, better version of Sasha Banks in AEW, let's fucking go. Penelope Ford, sometime in the middle of this match, hits a really, really crisp bulldog, but it's a bulldog that takes her sort of between the second and third rope, and bulldogs her into the turnbuckle, I thought that was really cool. Um... Kira Hogan, I don't know what it's called, hit hit back, I guess you would say, with uh, what I would say is a modified codebreaker. Uh, modified codebreaker, one kneecap to the side of the head in the same sort of falling stance. And then Ford won with sort of a really weird bridging submission thing, post-match assault by Ruby Soho because of what happened last night on Rampage. And I said it last night on in the Rampage review. I said I don't just want them to stick... Ruby Soho with some random friends so that they can have some tag team matches, but I'm going to eat a bit of crow here. If we get Penelope Ford and the Bunny versus Ruby Soho and Kira Hogan, that's going to fucking wreck. So let's go. Let's do it. Hangman Page comes out to talk to Tony Schiavone about uh, what it means to, for him to be the number one contender at Full Gear and roddy roddy ra and he's very excited and he's talking about all the cowboy shit and he gives us all the mini history lesson about him and his friends started AEW, but my friends have changed and roddy roddy ra talks about all his failures to get his hands on the titles beforehand, talks about the falling out with Kenny Omega and brings it back around to the whole time while all this bad shit was going on, while I was having all these failures and losing faith in myself, it was the fans that were holding me up, they chanted cowboy shit and then he went through about seven or eight different things that cowboy shit means to him and... He, it's very interesting because he doesn't say that he's going to win at Full Gear. He says, I don't know what's going to happen at Full Gear, but I know you're going to get my blood, my sweat, and for better or for worse, my tears. And that's basically it. It was... 
I don't know because it was well delivered, it was energetic, it was passionate. It just didn't hit for me. I, I like Hangman. I want to see this guy be as good as I think he can be, as condescending as that sounds, and I don't mean it that way. There was something missing here. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. And yes, maybe it's because he's been gone for a while and now he's just back and into the title picture. I It goes into something that I, 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 I harped on WWE for this for years and years and years. The be, I used to say in WWE, the best way to get a title shot is to get injured. Because you, you get injured, people start missing you, they pop immediately for your return, and WWE tried to always capitalize on that return with putting a title on you, putting you in a main title picture, putting you at the head of a pay-per-view, etc. Which, I understand it. I just don't like it, because it means that all the people that were busting their asses while you were gone take a backseat to the person that hasn't done anything in a while. Look at part-timers like Sasha Banks. Yes, I said it. Sasha Banks is a part-timer. Yes, she is. Oh, yes. Um, now, that being said, there is a long-term story with him and Kenny Omega that hasn't come to its full fruition yet, and there is there are building blocks there. They've taken us down quite a trail. They've taken us on quite a journey, whatever you want to say. You know, the whole uh, hashtag LTST is there. So I don't, I don't dislike that this match is happening. This match, when we get to full gear, is going to be great. But... It just, in the time that he's been gone, look at all the other options that we've gotten for matches. I'm sorry. I really am sorry. Like, right now, Adam Cole and Kenny Omega are on the same side. That's not going to last forever, and I don't even have any clue about the history of the Bullet Club or the Super Elite or anything like that. But that we're going to get Kenny Omega versus Adam Cole at some point. We're going to get Kenny Omega versus Christian again. We're going to get Kenny Omega probably versus Bray Wyatt at some point. And... The story stopped when Hangman went away. Now, Hangman didn't get injured. Hangman went to go and be there for the birth of his kid. Nobody's taking anything away, especially myself, um, from, from Hangman for going and being there with his wife and his family for the birth of his kid. Nobody's saying that. But it's just he's fallen into the same trope as people that have been away for a long time for injuries. It's because we missed you, we wanted you back, we held the best version of you in our heads while you were gone, and now we think you deserve the world. And... It's a little false. I'm not going to lie. We talk about, uh, once again, I'm going to have to do a separate video, probably with Guapo at some point, on the new, all the new big names that have come in and the now-established four pillars of, of, uh, of AEW. Because, as I say, Brian, Christian, Cole, Punk, Wyatt, on the other side, MJF, Sammy Guevara, uh, Darby Allin, uh, Jungle Boy... I just named off nine matches for Kenny Omega that I'd be more excited for than Hangman. And if you consider that I am excited for the Hangman match, that's that puts AEW in a pretty awesome spot. I just long I've taken a long way around the track to tell you guys that this promo was great. It just didn't grab me. And that's that's all I can say. I'd love to know what you guys think down in the box below because I'm not even entirely sure of what I'm saying right now as I say it. Bobby Fish versus Brian Danielson was just two great wrestlers doing great wrestling. Um, I, I, it's, it's like the Suzuki match last night with Brian Danielson, like just watch them kick the shit out of each other. I do like that they played this off as a mirror match. They started off the match, both of them were in a striking game, and then they transitioned, and they went into sort of a submission game, sort of a uh, limb-targeting game, and each one targeted the other one's leg. And as it sort of 
had its ebbs and flows throughout the match. And we said, oh, you want to go back to hitting me? Okay, let's hit each other. Oh, you want to go back to working my leg? I'm going to work your leg. Okay, now let's hit each other. Some it They were such mirror images of each other. And I'm not even going to say this the way I usually say it. Like, I'm not saying, oh, it's just a WWE match. But I will say it's mind-blowing to say that WWE had these guys for a long time. And we could have had this in WWE. So I'm actually not taking a shit on AEW. I'm actually tipping my cap to AEW. And I'm going to tip my cap and show you how badly I need a haircut. There we go. Uh, top rope Falconero into a knee bar by Bobby Fish was probably the highlight of the match until Danielson reversed that knee bar into a knee bar of his own to get the win. Really, 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 really fun match. Uh, it was the main event, which I didn't realize, because time gets away from you when you're watching AEW. Sometimes that's just the sign of a good show. Uh, they did cap it off with announcing the brackets for the um, AEW Championship Eliminator Tournament. So as I understand it, and somebody can crack me down in the box below, whoever wins the Eliminator Tournament is going to face whoever wins out of Omega and Hangman at full gear. Is that the way it works? Because... In order for me to start making predictions on this bracket thing, uh, I need to know if that's how it works or not. Uh, but anyways, it's four, four semifinal or sorry, four quarterfinal matches, two semifinal matches, and final. Obviously, that's how a bracket works. I don't know why I'm explaining it, but we've got on the one side of the bracket we've got John Moxley versus Ten from the Dark Order. Hmm. Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs, which is interesting. Dustin Rhodes versus Brian Danielson is going to be a clinic. And Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston. Archer's still not in the place where I'm super excited to see what he does right now. But those two guys, again, will kick the living shit out of each other. I'll probably do something in the next day or two, uh, giving some more thought-out thoughts. There we go. That makes sense. Some more thought-out thoughts on that bracket. Like I say, I might bring somebody along with me. Um, a lot of place setting on this show. Like I say, the AAA tag title situation, I'm lost. You guys tell me what you think in the box below. Tell me on Twitter, at SpazPhoenix. Um, yeah, because I don't do the NXT review anymore, and I used to do all the house cleaning on the NXT review, I'll, I'll say it because I haven't said it in a while. If you like what you hear right now, if you're listening to me in audio, you want to find me on YouTube, search Spaz Phoenix. If you are watching me on YouTube right now and you'd rather hear me in an audio form because you don't want to look me in the face, go to Spotify, iTunes, all the other places where where uh, podcasts go and search the Spaz Phoenix podcast. Find me on Twitter at Spaz Phoenix and at Spaz Phoenix One. Follow the Spaz Phoenix podcast Facebook group, even though I'm still in Facebook jail at the moment, at Spaz Phoenix on Instagram, even though most of my Instagram isn't about wrestling, and put a comment down in the box below if you're watching on YouTube, because they still seem to think that nobody's interacting, and I can't argue with them if it's true. Um, that was a shameless pitch for the, end of the, for the end of the podcast, but yes, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I'm tagging out. Bye, guys.